0: Asalaamu Alaikum everyone, welcome back to another podcast. I hope you're all well, inshallah. I'm your podcast host, Farah, as always. So on today's podcast, I will be speaking about menstruation and its view Islamically and culturally. So if you have wandered across my podcast just now, I have a podcast that was my first podcast where I speak about my journey rediscovering Islam and in there I speak about my cultural background and how it impacted me growing up and how it actually made me distance myself from my religion in the first place. So if you're new I'll just give you a rundown. So I'm Pakistani and I grew up very confused because my culture said one thing My religion said the other thing, and my parents were very cultural, so I had a bit of a confusion when what I was told was religion, was in fact culture, and that's what initially led me to distance myself from my religion, and if you want to know my whole story, you can listen to that podcast, it's called My Journey Rediscovering Islam. So when I was 11 years old, I think about 10, 11, yeah, 11, I think, 11 or 12. I was in year 7, so I, was, I think I was 11. <laughs> I had my first period. So mind you, I never knew what periods were. I had briefly heard about them. I sort of saw ta- uh, tampon adverts, tampaks and that sort of stuff. But no one had really spoken to me or taught me about what they were. And I remember in school they would speak about reproduction and the reproductive organs and all that sort of sciencey stuff in biology, but they wouldn't say explicit, explicit sorry, explicitly what would happen when your uterus lining strips away, which is essentially what happens, and that's why you get your period. But they would just keep it at, oh, your uterus lining strips away. They wouldn't say that it all comes out in blood and it all comes out and then you have a period. No, that's it. And this is in the UK where they speak about everything openly. But for some reason, periods, during my time, I don't know about now, but during my time they weren't really spoken about openly. So I remember when I had, um, I had, what did I have? I had my period And I was actually at school and I started bleeding so much. And I remember being in the girls' bathrooms, bawling my eyes out because I was terrified. I was so scared. I thought it was a period, but I was unsure because there was a lot of blood and... Yeah, I never had it before. I remember going home straight away and asking my mum about it and her just telling me never to speak about it, not to talk about it because it's embarrassing not to mention it. She literally just gave me a pad and she said, you wear this, okay? She said I shouldn't speak about it or mention it to anyone, especially my own family, like my brothers, my dad, nothing. And I was... Very confused. I was like, if this is normal, why is it so hush hush? Like, why can't I speak about it? Is this really normal? I don't think this is normal. Um, so I ended up actually learning about my period because of Dr. Google, as we all do. You find something you don't know about, you search it up, isn't it? And from people at my school as well, because we used to have discussions and my friends, teachers, that sort of stuff. The way they spoke about things so openly, not in class, but to me, or, or, yeah, not in class when they're teaching it, but to me. It just made it seem less embarrassing and less taboo when when I felt it was so not okay to speak about it when I was at home. Which isn't really right, because you should definitely be able to talk about your feminine hygiene and other issues, right? Especially to your mom and to your own family, because they're supposed to be the closest to you. And I remember that, sadly, culture just didn't allow for that. Because culturally, women can't speak about the problems and the worries they have when it comes to menstruation and other feminine hygiene issues. It's just really sad. Now, I don't know about other cultures, but that's how it is in Pakistani culture. A majority of the time. Unless your family doesn't really follow Pakistani culture. Then lucky you. (laughs) It's really, really sad. how Asking questions about the body Allah gave you so that we can understand what's happening with it, is just not allowed. Even though Islam is a religion that encourages asking questions about things, it encourages gaining knowledge about things. Because in Islam we are told to always seek knowledge and to not have blind faith in things. To always, always seek knowledge. That in things that will benefit us, in things that will help us, knowledge of our own bodies will definitely help us, it will definitely aid us because we can't take care of our bodies without knowing how it is in certain situations. We can't take care of it without knowing the underlying issues, what's wrong with it, what's happening with it. We can't look after the body that Allah has given us. It's an amanah to us. It doesn't belong to us. It will go back to Allah when we die. Our body isn't even ours to keep. It will... It will stay with us when we die, our souls will go, our body will be in the grave, it will go back to Allah, it all goes back to Allah. And if you cause it harm in any way, you will be asked about it, for sure. We are told to look after our bodies, our mind, our soul, we will be asked about all of it when we die. We will ask about every good deed, every bad deed, everything we did. We, we need to treat it the best, in the best way we can, and care for it in the best way we can. All, it all lasts, not lasts, sorry, it all relies on our knowledge, on if we gain the necessary knowledge needed to look after it properly. As I grew older, I realised that the whole taboo behaviour around periods and the whole idea of never speaking about it actually came from my culture and not from Islam. Now, I'm Pakistani ethnicity-wise and things like periods of menstruation are never spoken about as I've said before. (laughs) So when I was older, I thought of researching into things and I began to realise that this taboo belief, circulating menstruation, was not just my own culture, sadly. And it was many, many other cultures that shared the same, or even worse, shocking beliefs. (sighs) When I was growing up, some of these things just didn't make sense to me. It was the fact that I had to pretend that I had prayed already. And in Ramadan, I wasn't allowed to eat in front of everyone. So I had to eat in the living room or my room or something, my mum wouldn't let me just stand in the kitchen and eat or snack. Because in case someone saw me and found out I wasn't fasting, when asked, I was taught to lie and say I was in fact fasting. It's really sad because no one should lie. So on one hand, I had the thought that we had to pretend that we fast and we pray when we can't fast and we can't pray. But then on the other hand, I was told to never lie because as Muslims you're always supposed to be truthful and honest. It's part of having a good character, right? There's so much in the Quran and so much in the Hadith on how you're not supposed to lie and how you should always be truthful, For example, in Surah Baqarah Baqarah, Ayah 10, it says, In their hearts is disease, so Allah has increased their disease, and for them is painful punishment, because they habitually used to lie. Now, scholars have said that this disease, in the context here, means doubt. So it is interpreted to mean that they are hypocrites, and the disease spoken of and referred to is the doubt that they brought to Islam. It is also said that the disease, uh, sorry, (laughs) the disease brought refers to shameful behaviour too. In both senses, you can really see how lying isn't good or seen as positive at all. It's not an attribute that you should associate or even try to, not try, as in it's not something you should have you should try and avoid it basically if you're Muslim or if you're a person it's it's good character come on for a good character you shouldn't be known as a liar right you should be known as someone truthful and you should associate with loads of loads of good qualities and not bad ones it's even said in the Quran right that hypocrites are due for a painful punishment in the hereafter So, yeah, you really want to avoid that, and may Allah protect us all from that. Now, if we look at what Islam says about periods, it doesn't say anything from what I have read and from what scholars say about hiding and about lying and about pretending you're not menstruating. It doesn't say anything about that. It doesn't say you go out of your way to pretend you're not, to show you're not, to just lie to mislead no nothing like that what it does say is that on periods we cannot have sexual interactions with our spouses in surah al-baqarah ayah 222 it says and they ask you about menstruation say it is harm so keep away from wives during menstruation and do not approach them until they are pure and when they have purified themselves then come to them from where Allah has ordained for you. Indeed, Allah loves those who are constantly repentant and loves those who purify themselves. Now, scholars have said that this is because Jews would avoid their menstruating women at that time of the month when they were on their periods. Jewish Jewish men would not even eat or drink or mingle with them or even be with them in their houses at that time. So the Sahaba asked the Prophet Muhammad about this and he said that do everything you wish except having sexual intercourse. And he himself used to lie on the lap of Aisha when she was menstruating. Now, apart from not having sexual intercourse on your period, you're also not allowed to pray or do duwav around the qaba or fast. Most also say that you cannot read the Quran, but I remember my Quran teacher used to. She still used to teach me, but she wouldn't touch the Quran. She would use a pencil or a glove or something like that. So she would still teach me, but just not physically touch it. You just have to ask a imam or a scholar or someone of knowledge about that. But the fasting, the um, sexual intercourse, the praying and tawaf around the Kaaba, you can't do because you're not purified. You can't purify yourself, so you can't do that. That's what I know for certain, and that's what it says as well in um, either Hadith or Quran. So, yeah. That was a very interesting topic. And it wasn't even as long as I thought it would be. The video... Not video, sorry. The podcast was much shorter than I thought it would be. Which is good. Because then you can watch the whole thing without getting bored. Or turning it off. <laughs> Inshallah. So, that's all. Everything else is okay. Like, you're allowed to do Dikr You're allowed to listen to Gran. Um recite from memory, give to charity, feed the fasting and all that sort of stuff that you normally would, would get rewarded for and normally do. So you don't need to, and not you don't need to, you can't. You're not allowed to fast or pray just because you can't purify yourself and you can't clean yourself to be able to do those acts of worship. That's it. There's no other reason. It's just because you can't clean yourself from what I've read and from what scholars say. So Islamically you are commanded by Allah to not fast and to not pray and that sort of stuff. So you are obeying him. So never be ashamed of obeying your creator, right? Never be ashamed of 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 not lying, of not hiding the fact that you're on your period from your own family. Because you're not told to do that and you're and you're told that that you're excused from this, you're excused from praying and fasting, so why would you be ashamed of it when your own creator has excused you, right? doesn't make sense. So, yeah, I just hope that the next generation we raise doesn't have to go through all of this cultural stigma and taboo around menstruating and... All of those issues I've spoken about, okay? We can just try our best that the next generation doesn't suffer the way that we did. So, anyways, that's all for today. It was a very... It, uh, it was a topic that plays on my mind a lot, actually. But, yeah, I hope it was beneficial for everyone who listens... And thank you, everyone who listens, because it actually means a lot to me. I started this podcast because I thought I would share the knowledge that I learned along along the way in my journey through trying to gain more knowledge. So, yeah, you can follow me on Instagram and TikTok if you want more content and information, each other. And until next time, salaam.